You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 239 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on November 17th. How are things going this week, Raj? Well, the only comics I care about picking up are the ones in Fallout 4. (laughs) (laughs) That's what last week was. Are you like me, and do you have, like, a house set aside with just magazine racks so you can set them all in? No, but I I did build a, a garage and uh, that's where I keep like all my crafting stuff and my arbor and things like that. And I have, and it's like an old fifties garage. So it's got, I've got the magazine racks and stuff like that. And I got one right by the can. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got all the, 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 what is it? Gronach or some damn thing. And the other ones, <laughs> I've, got, the yeah, barbarian. I've got them all right by the can for easy reading. <laughs> Somehow I'm not surprised. It fits. Did you actually read comics though this week? Yeah, well, I read some, yes. <laughs> it, it, it was tough finding time. I mean, Wasteland isn't going to save itself. You know what? There's like radiated everything's to kill. We have a sworn duty. Plus, I have to play. It was a gift, meant a lot. I have to play. It would be damn insulting if I didn't. See what I like I the way you think. I, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, for this week's discussion, it was another one of those weeks where I didn't read it going in. This was actually recommended to me uh, by a friend of mine. said, hey, you know, you remember this old comic? And I was like, no, never heard of it. It's like, oh, check it out. Cover it on the podcast. Like, yeah, sure, why not? Random X-Men comic from the 80s. What's the worst that could happen? This explains why I didn't get quite enough lead time to read the equivalent of a novel by today. (laughs) I I had plenty of time. I did not. (laughs) So what we are talking about is the X-Men Fallen Angels miniseries. It was eight issues long, released in 1987, written by Joe Duffy with an army of artists at his back. So how much of it did you read? (laughs) I got halfway through, which (laughs) all things considered is pretty damn good. Consider I only started reading it, what, on Friday, I believe, and it was a rough weekend to begin with as well. Plus, there was Fallout. So I got through half. It, the problem is, is that, again, it's very dated. This would have been either at the tail end of when I was still reading comics or mm-hmm. just after. Because I stopped reading right around that time. And I don't remember this, which leads me to believe. I don't remember all the comics I read, of course. But leads me to believe that this was right after I'd stopped reading. Because I was reading the New Mutants stuff. Because this is more New Mutants than X-Men. Yeah. And and so I was reading that. And the X-Factor stuff had come out not that long before I'd stopped reading as well. Because I remember X-Factor was a huge deal when it was first teased and stuff like that. Oh, I can imagine. Because it was something, a new X title. Now you can't swing a freaking dead rat without hitting an X title. But back then it wasn't well, the same. It's a little harder these days than it used to be. So, so the announcement of like a new X title people were wigging out and then we read it and it was like, 
<laughs> the the expectation wasn't what we had like what we were kind of what was teased and stuff like that so it wasn't as well received at least in in our circles and uh and so i i remember reading that but anyways my point being that I was reading still the New Mutants quite a bit at that time. So had I been reading, I probably would have picked this up. Yeah, I have a feeling you would have remembered this if it had happened. Because this is pretty momentous as far as how it affects the actual New Mutants characters. Yeah. And this was uh, right around a little before I had started uh, reading comics. So this one I had passed over. I so think I would have remembered itself. the cyborg lobsters. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that would have stuck in there somewhere. File between Gru and and an ambush bug. <laughs> Psychic cyborg lobsters. That I would remember. Yeah, definitely reading through it, you definitely get that this was an 80s X-Men comic vibe. Yeah. Just from the way it's written, it's incredibly wordy. And of course, just like every other comic in the 80s, they feel the need to re-explain Every character, what they can do, where they've been, what they've been doing, what their parents are up to, what their blood type is, <laughs> every time they show up for the first time in an issue. <laughs> I laughed out loud because you got the exact same speech about how Warlock eats three issues in a row. <laughs> it's funny because as I was reading this, I was thinking just that at one point. I was thinking, you know what, for all the the, the things that comics still do wrong or that are still stupid, at least we don't have nearly as much of this. We're in a miniseries. Every issue has to recap what happened already. Now you have the brief little recap along with the, the, the who worked on it kind of thing on the first page, and then you move on and that's it. You don't have to keep having these monologuing moments with the characters that are so contrived. So in that regard, yes, we've come a long way. You have any idea how sick I got of my name is Roberto da Costa. Oh, I am 14 years old. I'm like, oh my God, you're not going to live to see 15 if you keep this up. Yes. yes. <laughs> so yeah, the story revolves around Sunspot from the New Mutants at one of the traditional X-Men field days of them playing sports, quote, without powers. Him and Sam Cannonball get into a bit of scuffle on the field and Sunspot kind of freaks out, uses his powers and severely injures Sam to the point where they even thought he'd killed him at first. I'd say there was a bit of overreactions here. You don't <laughs> but, say. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, to an extent I can see it. But yes, definitely uh, there was some overreacting going on with his teammates, basically turning him into a pariah immediately. The overreacting, however, was only at the beginning in that first issue. Then it stopped. There mm -hmm. was no overreacting anywhere else at all. No, everything else was perfectly reasonable. Yeah. All of a sudden being the good guy, now I'm a villain. Oh, crap, this is a church. I shouldn't have broke in here. Oh, run off. All this crap. It was like one overreaction after another. It was like, oh, Jesus, I know that you like writing teenagers as melodramatic teens, but there's more to it. And that's the thing that I recalled as well. And it might be that, you know, it's the rose-colored glasses of age where you look back and think, I remember it being better than this. And if I read it now, it might be crap. Who knows? But I recall there being a lot of New Mutants issues and story arcs that I liked at the time because I didn't feel as though they were talking down to me mm -hmm. because I was a teen at the time. And so 
I, I liked that. Now, of course, they didn't all do that. And there were some that did this kind of stupidity. But I, I always hate that when I see that. Yeah. We, we had the bit here where Bobby finds his you know, student record on Professor Xavier's – oh, sorry, Professor Magneto's desk because this was uh, the point where Magneto had taken over the school. And I liked that they talked about how you know, his father had recently joined the Hellfire Club and that was a big problem for Bobby himself of you know, not knowing where he stood. Now, again, overreacting of, oh, if my dad's evil, I'm – I must be evil as well. But I actually found it pretty hilarious in retrospect because I want to say about five years ago, maybe eight in the comics, Bobby joined the Hellfire Club. (laughs) But yeah, it went completely overboard of him taking off to the city and not knowing how to survive, not having any money, still trying to be, you know, the aristocratic da Costa that he is speaking down to people and then suddenly having the revelation thanks to warlock that wait a minute if i'm evil i should just steal things <laughs> ripping the door off of coincidentally a church and then having the crisis of conscience of oh my god what am i doing and then running away <laughs> Yeah, that was a grown-worthy moment. But that moment introduced us to the best characters in this miniseries because on his tail was a member of the Fallen Angels, a young man named Gomi, and his two friends, the Cyborg Lobsters. (laughs) Seriously, dude. Oh, man. How? How? How did this happen? (laughs) That being said... I didn't hate it because it was just like, it was such a goofy eighties thing. You just kind of have to roll with it. You're like, yeah, okay. Cyborg lobsters, not the dumbest thing I've read in a comic. So let's just roll with it. We got mutated turtles. Why not lobsters? (laughs) Sure. What the hell? (laughs) So over the course of the story, uh, we get, Bobby joining up with this group of misfits that call themselves the Fallen Angels, consisting of Gomi and the Lobsters, of course. Uh, Gomi was the brother to some weird scientist college student kids that used him as an experiment in an effort to create another Marvel girl. It's really creepy, but it's actually pretty funny at the same time. Uh, We have Chance, a new character that was introduced in this miniseries, Uh, a street, uh, street kid growing up and trying to make her way in the city as well as Ariel. I didn't realize this was where Ariel was also first introduced to the X-Men because she'd been around for a while. Like, I remember reading her in multiple stories over the years who is not necessarily a teleporter, but she can open doors and connect them between different areas. She's an alien from another planet. Vanisher, a low-level supervillain who had worked with Magneto at a couple points in the past. Warlock, who had joined up with Bobby uh, and, and when he left the New Mutants. And it also brought in Siren and the Multiple Man, who came in and helped to track Bobby and Warlock down, trying to bring them back. So you have this, oh, and of course, Boom Boom, uh, another New Mutants character. Have all of these weird characters thrown together. It, it was weird <laughs> because so many of the dynamics just didn't work and it wasn't revealed until later in the story that Ariel has sort of like these mind control persuasion powers in addition to her teleporting. So there's a lot of really weird scenes early on in this comic that 
I'm sure for you, not knowing <laughs> that she did have this persuasion power, came across a little funky. The, the whole thing was just that it was annoying to read because mm-hmm. the character, none of the characters are standout characters. No, they're yeah. calling most of them C list would be <laughs> would be a compliment outside and, of you know the the main X Men characters. And it's not just that; is that I mean, I can say no offense to the writer, but it is. It's they weren't written interesting either. Mm-hmm. They were written in a very contrived eighties fashion, which at the time maybe it did do I, well. But I would know. say. <laughs> Even by 80s standards, chance was a little uh, – It's not just chance. It's everybody. Yeah, but that, that, that character specifically like read like she should have been from a comic in like the 60s yeah, There was a bunch of different things. And then you're getting the ridiculous scenes where they're trying to create it like a love circle with Boom Boom and Jamie and what's-her-face siren. And you're like, oh, my God. So many of the things that happen in this feel so very forced. And it's not like it's an organic story that's progressing because, again, the the whole bit right from the get-go with the getting hurt is blown out of proportion into this big thing. And then the, oh, find the, the report, which coincidentally just happens to be laying around on the desk. And then, oh, I'm leaving. And then, oh, I've got no money because I'm an idiot and apparently forgot to bring anything to support myself. And it was just one thing after another that was contrived and forced. And it applied to every single relationship as well. There was no relationship where you're going, oh, I see where you went with this. And it was kind of fun. And I liked that. None. None of them. I didn't feel that way about any of them at all. So did you even get to the issue where they teleport to the primitive world? Yes. And bring in, of all people, Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy to the team. Like That was the point where I was like, okay, I think they may have gone little too far with trying to put this team together <laughs> yeah no no i yeah i read it it was it was i'm sorry it was crap but it did lead to my favorite part in the miniseries we've seen so many times in the covers of issues in this issue a member of the team will die and they actually delivered i actually didn't read that that one <laughs> who dies I, I don't care so don't worry about it does one of Devil. the lobsters get eaten Devil Dinosaur accidentally steps on Dawn, one of the lobsters. Yes, that's a dog. Which, of course, leads to some hilarious scenes later on of you know, Devil Dinosaur feeling horrible for killing one of his own teammates. The other lobster, I forget his name. He wasn't important enough wasn't to be in my Bill? notes. Going on this revenge spree, trying to attack. The t- <laughs> it was stupid and hilarious, and I actually kind of liked it. Yeah, I'm looking at the scenes with Bill. Bill, that was his name, yes. Yes, with evil eyes. <laughs> Out for revenge. The angry lobster is just amazing. God, this was horrible. <laughs> There's a point at the end of the story where all of the fallen angels are captured, except for Bill. And he has like his Wolverine in the Hellfire Club moment of making the the daring rescue to save his teammates. And again, it was hilarious and I kind of loved it because of how stupid it was. You know, if if you're going to do something ridiculous and stupid, own it and make it awesome like that. <laughs> there actually was one subplot that I was quite interested in here, and that was one of Madrix's dupes had decided 
it wanted to stay separate as they as he says it you know being reabsorbed back into you know the prime body is akin to dying if you will because when they're separate they're their own unique persons and going back into the core uh, Jamie Madrix removes that. So I thought it was a, a pretty interesting story they were going with of this dupe that decided, you know what? I don't want to go back in. I want to live my own life. And the way that Jamie had like looked at it and at first it was like, what are you doing? Get back where you belong. But the way he kind of grew into it and – I don't know. I, I thought that was a really cool storyline that deserved a lot more time than the main story did. It was – and I didn't read the, that entire bit. I kind of skimmed through it. But mm-hmm. I could see that coming along because of the early scenes where he explains how they're each autonomous. They're, they're each their own – copy very much the exact same as him when they split and then have their own experiences going forward. So yeah, it was one of those where you're thinking, man, if you really push that, that actually could be a fairly interesting, even just a, you know, four issue miniseries kind of thing where you have this kind of situation where some of them decide, no, we want to stay out and what that means to the character. Yeah. I actually read an X Factor story a few years back where they actually went and visited a dupe that had left to go live his own life. So it's a plot point they came back to at some point in the future. Cool. And I need to find out where because, again, it's it's a cool story I would like to read more of. Don't make me read any more bad stuff for a while. <laughs> I beg of you. <laughs> Listen, we, we have a certain <laughs> shtick that we have to work with on this show. <laughs> if it's going to be bad, make it shorter at least, please. <laughs> So the whole story revolves around the fact that Ariel is gathering up all these various mutants, even going so far as to say that, you know, Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur are mutants within their own species, as well as Dawn was a mutant lobster. Because on her home planet, there are no mutants and they're stuck in this evolutionary rut and they want to bring in some mutants of other species for experiment. And it's it's stupid. It's ridiculous, like, <laughs> especially once it's revealed that Ariel herself is a mutant amongst her people. It, it was dumb and God, that that planet has some obnoxious people <laughs> the way on purpose. It's the way they're drawn and the costumes. It's it's so over the top, like not even in like an entertaining way for me. But yeah, they're eventually all captured. That's when Bill has to make his heroic rescue, which, like I said, that was actually pretty funny for me. And we get the resolution of the multiple man and the dupes of them having to come back together to heal injuries and whatnot and, and basically sacrificing himself from the way he saw it. But outside of the Madrox storyline, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot going on here unless you're into really random weird 80s stuff, which I am, but only to a point and not over the course of this many pages. No, no, no. yeah. I, I might be interested in seeing something like this try to be redone modern day. Because there there were some elements in here that could be interesting of, you know, Sunspot going off, you know, thinking. There were elements that could have worked if they weren't quite so heavy-handed. And by 80 standards, I guess it probably did kind of work. Yeah, I don't know. But apparently they went off to keep the Fallen Angels as their own team for a while, which I guess tells you how successful it was since I'd never heard of them before. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to guess their official series didn't last very long before everybody got rolled back into the New Mutants. But yeah, 80s, man. What are you going to do? There was some good stuff in the 80s. I, I know. <laughs> but every time we go back, it's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to go through some of the old stuff and see. Because again, I do recall some stuff fondly. Mm-hmm. I said, even some of like the good stuff that I've gone back to read over the years, it still is awkward because of the way the comics were written back then. Like even some of the stuff I loved, you know, the Dark Phoenix saga, Craven's Last Hunt, those both came out in '86. By today's standards, they're still kind of hard to read, despite the fact oh, yeah, that they're yeah. still good stories on their own. Though. Yeah. All right. As for what else we've been reading, I don't have a whole lot to talk about this week, but uh, two that I did want to bring up. We have the all new, all different Avengers, which was pretty damn boring. Nothing happened. (laughs) It was (laughs) the most interesting part of the comic was also the worst part (laughs) where (sighs) Captain America, Sam Wilson, had rescued some people on a bridge and, you know, people had their cell phones out and, you know, they were talking to him. And some Girl Scouts asked him if he'd like to buy some cookies. So, of course, Captain America would like to buy some cookies, but he only has $5. So is he going to buy cookies from the white Girl Scout or the black Are Girl Scout? Are you serious? Oh, God. Oh, God, that's horrible. I will say one thing for that scene. Oh. It was at least interesting. <laughs> oh, God. Because the rest of the comic was nothing, really. Like, the the team isn't even there. It, it was basically just Sam and Tony talking for two-thirds of an issue and then a side story with Kamala and Nova, which was fun. I, I did kind of like that. But, yeah, no. What? Mark Wade is a good writer. Where the hell did this come from? <laughs> And then also the first issue of The Ultimates, picking up that title and bringing it into the normal Marvel U. And now I'm trying, starting to get a better picture of what's going on post-Secret Wars as far as the parts of the Ultimate Universe still existing and now the modern uh, Marvel Universe. I don't know if you'll like this, Roger. I read it. <laughs> okay. This is definitely a Vince comic, though, because it's weird it's out there it's got some crazy high concept cosmic stuff going on but i actually did really enjoy it it's but like i said it's definitely a vince comic i can see a lot of people not being into this i was gonna bring this up and say that it's one of the best if not the best okay. one that i read this week cool so i really like this a lot there there were a few parts that i was like eh, but overall and looking at the setup and what actually happens in it mm-hmm I really quite like this a lot. And I really like the team. All of the characters they have here, I, I adore. I mean, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Spectrum. I, Blue Marvel even grew on me over the course of the previous series, the Mighty Avengers. Like, I'd never heard of the guy before then, and I, he's he's got some stuff working for him. So I like the concept of what they're going with here, and I love weird space stuff. <laughs> so if they're going to continue, not necessarily everything being weird space stuff, but really diving into that, like I said, that high concept pool that Marvel can deliver on sometimes. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. The art was amazing. Oh, yes. Who did the art on this? I forget off the top of my head. Pulling that up right now myself. Kenneth Rockefort. Yeah. I haven't seen him around in a while, so it's 
cool to see him uh, getting a big series like this. I hope it does well, but there's just so much coming out. I can easily see this series kind of getting forgotten by a lot of readers. Which would be too bad because it is – and see, it's it looks at least like it's doing what we want, what we were just talking about. You can take characters. Some of them aren't exactly A-list characters. Some are, but some aren't. But make them interesting. Fit them into the team so that it's a good mesh and it's something where you want to read more about these characters. And that's that's what this is. It's mm-hmm. got me it's got me interested to see where it's going. And, and I remember when this was first revealed, it was like, okay, it's a cool team, but what the hell is Galactus doing there? Yeah. But then when they got to the end of the issue and we realize what Galactus's role is in this story, I'm into it. <laughs> I, I really want to see if and how they solve this problem. Yeah. All right. And what did you have for us this week? Did you read uh, Web Warriors number one? I did. For the most part, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the goofiness of going on the oh, TV God, the 60s animator. animated Spider-Man universe. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and how they're, they're even doing the flashes and the <laughs> – look at that. I threw a web and it turned into a butterfly net. What the hell? <laughs> like all it, of the- it's the fun parts that we loved of Spider-Verse. Yeah. And the relationships as well, though, because mm-hmm. we're getting more between the different characters and whatnot, which is making it fairly cool, actually, especially the stuff like this is the Gwen that I want to read more about. And so like the Gwen and May here are actually a really good duo. And I like where the series is going as well with the electros and stuff like there's. There was a lot of stuff here that I read and thought, this is really freaking good. This is awesome. I want to read a lot more about this. Yeah, we were a little disappointed with the Spider-Verse Secret Wars series. So I know we were both kind of hesitant going into this. Yeah, yeah. And this was great. And then the story at the end with the Lady Spider. I'm so glad Lady Spider is getting stories. yes. And the art for that one. Well, the art. It was amazing. Was, but the art in that one was like, holy jeez, was that ever gorgeous. Like this was just a all around really, really good issue. If you're if you're a fan of Spider-Verse and, and hoping that it can live up to what Spider-Verse was, not Secret Wars Spider-Verse. Uh, next. Secret Wars number seven. I read it. Mm. it. Even for me, this issue was like, oh, okay. It's it's the issue before the finale. Like they're just – they're setting up the big fight. Okay. But it really was like just yeah, – whatever. Yeah. Like e- even for me who's like been really into this series, this issue was – it was filler. Okay. Well, I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> just me because it really was like I'm trying, damn it. I know I have to read this but it was like – it, it was 20 plus pages of a bunch of characters about to do something. Yeah, we'll get to it eventually. Did you read uh, Drax, the new one, number one? No, I didn't. It actually wasn't bad. It was interesting. Hmm. It gives a, uh, I'm not going to say it was spectacular, but it's a nice kind of different look at the character from like, again, more of a perspective where you're seeing like his ultimate goal is go and kill Thanos, but he's always busy with the team. And so when the the team kind of splits up and says, okay, I'm going to go do this. And they all go their own way. He's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm going back to Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> Time to go back to that, that old grudge. And you get all these 
quirky things happening thereafter kind of. And it was, it, it made me think of, again, the Groot and the Rocket series, though mm-hmm. not nearly as good, but that's a pretty high bar. So it was still good. I don't know how long it's going to last though, because I don't think it's that, that good, but it was still good yeah. and worth reading for sure. Right. It, it's just, again, how many comics is Marvel putting out right now? That's Can't the read them all. Where does it rank? And finally, the all new Wolverine. Ah, I was hoping you would bring that up. So you did read it? Yes. I, I left it for you. I was kind. First of all, not a fan of the art. Second of We've all. We've seen much stronger work out of Lopez. Oh, I was not a fan of this. Uh, it's funny because you look at some of the angles and I almost Twittered one, took a picture in Twitter and then I decided not to. But it was like, is she inbred? Because her eyes can't possibly be that far apart. <laughs> She's not inbred because she's a clone. So what the hell is it? Especially when you're looking at where the eyes are situated on the costume in some of the shots, because they are quite literally where the end of her face would be on either side. Her temple's damn near. It's just ridiculous. I I know it's stupid to point out, but it really just irked me all to hell. This has been getting quite a bit of praise. At least it's those reviews that Tom Taylor is twittering that I've noticed. <laughs> I don't know if there's a lot of other people saying, hey, not so good. Uh, of the people I know that read it, they did like it. There's aspects of it that I really liked. Mm-hmm. But then there were also parts where I'm like, eh, not crazy about this. Or not even that it's, it's not that I was not crazy, but more so that it was just meh. You know, not mm-hmm. that big a deal. I didn't so, love it, but I liked it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the way I looked at it is I've seen X-23, we've seen X-23 done quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. But it's still better than a lot of the recent stuff we've seen with mm-hmm. her that has not been good. So it's kind of a, well, we'll see where it goes. And a lot of this is faith in Taylor which I kind of am hesitant about because of Iron Man, but this might prove to be interesting. The clone bit at the end was like, okay, I don't know if I, I, you know, enough is enough with clones with her. At least for me, maybe it would have been a little more impactful if we didn't just read the same story in Firefly last year. (laughs) Yeah. So I just, yeah. And then all of the shooting and stuff taking place in Paris. Oh, I read, I literally read this and it was like a couple of days later then. And you're going, Ooh, that was poor planning there because (laughs) holy crap. That's, 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 that's a lot more than just topical. So it was as a number one, again, it was, it was good. It was all right, but it's not as spectacular as, some of the reviews that I'm reading where people are wigging out over it and saying as well, they might be a little judgmental because they're huge fans. And I'm going, so am I always have been love this character. So this is, this is in my wheelhouse. I should love this. It's got one of my favorite writers and one of my favorite characters. And yet I read it and went, eh. and especially again, I keep going back to that clone bit. I'm like, I, Enough with the clone things with with Wolverines. Let's try something different with the character. Mm-hmm. So and that's it. 
I'll still read the second issue, though. Oh, I'm going to keep reading it for a while. He's going to have to screw it pretty damn bad for yeah. me to stop You reading. read all of the death of Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we know the depths you're willing to go through. Yeah. <laughs> Which speaks volumes when I stop reading crap that you assign. <laughs> if that doesn't answer people's questions about just how bad something is, there you have it. Let's be honest, though. I think you take a certain pleasure and you even look for an opportunity to stop reading something I tell you to just on principle. Not if entirely you, If you had decided untrue, to read it on your own, still... you probably would have powered through it eventually. But no, because actually, I recommended it. <laughs> actually, no. <laughs> I actually would not have finished this. I would have stopped a lot sooner, in fact. Like at least 25 pages earlier, I would have been, that's it, clocking out. It was worth a shot. Didn't pay off. I have a feeling the page where the lobster showed up would have just about done it. It was very, very close. But I knew going in that they were going to be in there because it's on the book jacket. And and so it was like, oh, God. And so then when it shows up, you're like, oh, Jesus, come on, 80s. Seriously? <laughs> Completely off topic. Freaking flash again last week. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, and now so that there's a, a certain wasteland to explore i'm way behind on my shows yeah well we still watch because i'll sit down with the wife and we we watch and she likes watching those as well but yeah the flash the problem with arrow this season is that it's almost entirely legends of tomorrow setup yeah that's what i've been hearing a lot of so we're missing out on actual arrow stories i mean you get some but not too much and it's all freaking setup like case in point this week was all getting Ray Palmer back. And so, and they've been doing the other stuff, bringing people back from the bed, dead and all this other stuff. And, and so there's a ton of that, which isn't bad, but I mean, it's, it really takes you away from the core stories that were fun to read, to watch, but flash is still just flash. And it's freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> On Twitter, I follow Grant. Uh, what's his name? Gustin, Gustin, whatever the hell his name is, who's the flash on Twitter. And it's like, Flash days are just that called flash days. And he just posts all kinds of stuff and he'll retweet everybody else. And there's like that sense of excitement of like, it's flash tonight. It's flash tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. I haven't felt that for a long time for a TV show, but freaking flash is doing that for us. Yeah. All right, then this week's new releases from Marvel. We have Black Knight, number one, Captain America, Sam Wilson, number three, Deadpool, number two, Extraordinary X-Men, number two, Mighty Thor, number one, Ms. Marvel, number one, New Avengers, number three, Spider-Woman, number one, Star Wars, number 12, Star Wars Vader Down, number one. So you better get caught up, Raj. Star-Lord, number one, and Uncanny Inhumans, number two. From DC, we have Action Comics number 46, Batman and Robin Eternal number 7, Batman Europa number 1, a new miniseries they're putting out, Doctor Fate number 6, Green Lantern, The Lost Army number 6, and Titans Hunt number 2. Are you ready for this week's image? All I care about is Rat Queens. We have, oh no, it's not all you care about. We have I Hate Fairyland number 2. Oh, that's right, too. Yeah. Invincible number 125. Pretty Deadly returns with number 6. Rat Queens number 13, Tokyo Ghost number 3, and Wayward number yes, 11. Wayward, yeah, God. <laughs> <laughs> I've been seeing these on, on Twitter, the announcing them and going, oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then today, it was yeah, just there's so much cool stuff that you yeah. just forget about all of it. <laughs> I just kept seeing the image for Rat Queens and going, oh, oh. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, but uh, Curtis Weep put up a YouTube video where he did a live stream a few weeks ago 
where he recreated all the rat queens in The Sims. I, I'm going to track that down, <laughs> so I'll send you the link. <laughs> Finishing up the list from Dynamite, we have Voltron from The Ashes, number three. IDW brings us Gem and the Holograms, number nine. Star Trek Green... Ooh, that was a good Yeah, one. that was a bad one. Star Trek Green Lantern, number five. Transformers, number 47. I couldn't even power through that to make it work. <laughs> and from Valiant, Bloodshot Reborn, number eight. And Wrath of the Eternal Warrior, number one. Also, this Friday is the premiere of Marvel's Jessica Jones series on Netflix. So I know I'm going to have a few hours this weekend sitting in front of my laptop. Are they releasing the entire season or just... Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, man. That's going to be... You, you remember Dead or yeah, Daredevil, yeah. right? Yeah. We're like, oh, yeah, I'll watch a few episodes. Why is it three in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> Don't know if it's going to be quite as engrossing, but I'm absolutely going to give it a shot. Yeah, definitely. And that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, thanks for listening. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.